in Mark chapter 4, verse 41, Jesus was going across the sea. We know why he went across the sea when, we, when you start reading chapter 5, because there was a man there that needed Jesus, that nobody else could do anything with. He was the, the Bible, uh, he, was, he was referred to as a maniac. He was demon-possessed, had a legion of demons. Jesus left a crowd of people to cross the sea, but in the middle of the sea that night, it got stormy. And um, the boat was about to sink. I mean, the disciples, most of, many of them were fishermen, and they were afraid of what was happening, and they were afraid they were going to sink, and, and, and they, they called Jesus out from his place of rest, and, and, um, and Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith, but then he just said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves ceased. And I happen to believe that maniac was in the sides of that cliff watching that whole scenario and so when Jesus came to land, he ran to him. But the disciples asked a question. And this has been on my mind all this week. They just said, what manner of man? It so, it's so boggled their mind what Jesus had just done. Stepped out on the bow of that boat and said to the sea and to the wind, peace, be still. Initially, that terrified them. What kind of man, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him now here's the answer to that question he's the god man he's the god who is man he's the man who is full of god now there's not a man in this room this morning that will ever measure up to jesus but every man in this room can be full of god we're never going to measure up to the standard of, of Jesus because he is God manifested in human flesh. But every man in this room can be full of God. And that is what we call a godly man. Every person in this room, not just the men, in fact, everybody in this room can be godly people. We can be full of, our life can be full of God. Now, Peter said something similar in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. With, with, and I'm, let me say it in context. He said the day of the Lord is coming. It, we, we think that he's not, people say that he's not coming back because everything's continuing on just like it was when he left. And, and, and so the day of the Lord is in view here. And Peter said the day of the Lord is going to come. It's going to come. And when it comes, the, the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat and... And, and, and he said, with, with that knowledge in your mind, that the Lord is going to return, that the day of judgment is going to come, he asked this question, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation? That means lifestyle and godliness. Godliness just means to be full of God. In light of the day that, there's, that judgment is coming, that the Lord's going to set every wrong and make it right and he's going he's gonna to execute justice and judgment upon this earth with that insight what manner of person what manner of man ought you to be and so that's, that's, that's the sermon title this morning just a question what manner of man are you what manner of man are you I was uh, 
I, I was running the bulletins off last Sunday, and they, they're stacked in a box, and I always look for the there's, – there's some colored papers that break the weeks apart, and so I always look. They, they break it every 50, and so I always pull back the first 50 and pull back the second 50, and then sometimes that colored piece of paper, I pick it up on accident. So I, I'm just telling you how this all started. <laughs> Last Sunday when I was running the bulletins off and I picked up by a stack to run last Sunday's bulletin, the next one in line was the Father's Day bulletin. And the front of that bulletin um, has a Bible verse on it, just Jeremiah 17, 7. It just says that blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. And I don't know why that struck me. The way that it struck me. That's so simple. Just such a, a simple but profound statement. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. And so I knew when I, re when I saw the reference, Jeremiah 17, 9, I'm thinking, you know what I quote, or Jeremiah 17, 7, I, I thought to myself, you quote Jeremiah 17, 9 all the time about the, the, about the, heart, the, the heart of a man being deceitfully wicked we can't trust our own heart so I thought that's 17-7 so I had to go back and just kind of look at the context and see how it all fit together and related to each other and 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 you can go back and read I've read through Jeremiah several times and made notes on it all the way through one time and thought man Jeremiah could be preaching to this nation right now in this day and hour and it would be completely and perfectly appropriate for us it's, and so uh, looking at the context of that, that passage of Scripture, Jeremiah is watching a religion die. He's watching Judaism die. He, he's watching a culture implode upon itself. He, he, he's, he's watching a nation fall. That's who he's preaching to. That's when he's preaching Jeremiah preached up until the Babylonians um, wiped Jerusalem and wiped the temple from the face of the earth. Um, he had a hard message, um, a message that not, not, that not many people wanted to hear. Um, it was a hard message. In fact, you read the book of Lamentations, he talked about how, it, how heartbroken he was about the condition of his of the people who professed to be Jews, of the culture that he lived in, of the country that he was a part of. Um, he, he could not quit weeping over the condition. But the message he preached was without fear, without favor, without apology. He preached, thus saith the Lord, to a sinful and rebellious and hard-hearted people. And they hated him for it. I mean, they did everything they could to shut Jeremiah up. They, um, they, 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 they tried to discount what he said. Other, other preachers would come along and say, Jeremiah's prophesying to you lies. Let me tell you what the truth is. And so in every way they could, they did their very best to shut him up. And while they were trying to shut up Jeremiah, they were trying to save themselves. And you go back and read the, King, the Kings and Chronicles tells you all this. Um, instead, of, instead of trusting God, instead of going to God, instead of turning back to God, they started trying to buy alliances with foreign and pagan kings. I mean, they, they paid the king of Egypt. They would, they would pay 
um, the king of Syria, they would, um, they would try to make alliances with these pagan nations in order to deliver themselves um, from the Babylonian insurgents. They were just, instead of listening to Jeremiah, instead of doing what Jeremiah said to do, what they had to do, um, they just kept trying to save themselves and shut Jeremiah up. There came a time in Jeremiah's ministry where God just told him, you keep preaching what I tell you to preach, but don't pray for them because they've, gone, they've crossed the line. They've passed the mark. But I've got a plan for you, and I've got a plan for those who listen to you, so you keep doing what I've called you to do. So in response to that hatred that was leveled against him, and, 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 in, and to address the misguided ways and the misguided means that Judah had employed to try to save themselves. Jeremiah, by inspiration of God, drafted, and I know it doesn't look like a poem to us, but it's because of the way it's written in the King James. And if you go back and look at it, it's actually just a little four-verse poem in the middle of his preaching where he contrasted um, the only two people groups in the world. I know we divide people up all kind of ways, but if you look at the scripture, there are, only two, there are only two groups of people in the world. People that trust God and people that don't. Saved and unsaved. People who trust God for salvation and people who don't trust God for salvation. In Jeremiah chapter 17, look at verse 5 and 6 with me. This is where the poem started. Under inspiration, it starts with, Thus saith the Lord. So God gave him this. He said, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, that's like a shrub, I, looking it up, it's almost like a tumbleweed. And shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. So let me go back to the question, what manner of man are you? Um, he, he begins this poem with a description of a, of a man who does not trust God. A man who does not trust God. Instead of trusting in God, he trusts in the arm of the flesh. And when you talk about the arm of the flesh, he didn't trust God, he trusts man. And, and that man may be himself. He may not be trusting God, he may be trusting his own strength, his own abilities, his own efforts, his own plans, his own, his own wisdom, his own skills. Or he may be trusting in other men or in other means to save him. Judah was doing some of both of that. They, they were... They were fortifying their um, defenses. They were um, trying to bribe other kings to come alongside them to do, to do battle. Um, so, so instead of turning to God, instead of trusting God, instead of following the instruction of God's preacher, they were, they were trusting in an arm of flesh. We can do this. They were not trusting in God. Now that may imply, I, I want you to understand that this could imply that we trust, and I'm preaching to myself some, because I, we, it's easy for us to fall into this trap. Can I just say to you that politics is not going to save our nation? I don't care who the president is. I do care who the president is, but he's not going to save us. I don't even like the salvation message to be put in politics. 
we can have the strongest military on the face of the earth. And if God's hand of judgment turns against us, it's not going to save us. I can show you biblical examples where God take 300 and put 30,000 on their faces. That's what trusting in the armor of the flesh is. Trusting in your financial preparations ain't going to save you. It can't save a nation. It don't matter how, how big our economy gets, how, how large it grows, it can't save us. Um, you can prepare. You can do all those things. And let me just say this. None of those are bad. I don't, think, I don't think it's a bad idea to have good godly politicians in place. I don't think it's a bad idea to have a strong military. I don't think it's a bad idea to lay up for yourself um, some, some, some preparations for what may come ahead. We do that as individuals, and we're doing that as a church. I don't think it's a bad thing to do any of that, but I do think it's a bad thing to put our trust in those things and not in the Lord. It's a bad idea to trust in the arm of flesh. Even if you have all those things in place, that's not a good place to put your trust. Everything can turn south very quickly when you trust in the arm of flesh. We should not depend on that fleshly means of salvation or of deliverance from where we're at as a people and as a nation. A man does not trust God trusting the arm of the flesh. He's trusting another man or he's trusting himself. He's moving away from God. And this is the truth. The more that you look to others, the less you're going to look to God for help. And this is the trap that we fall into sometimes. Um, we get so caught up in who's in the White House or, or how much money we have in the bank or how much food we have in the, in the pantry. or, or we, we get so caught up in all of those things. And, and it's, it's, it's not bad to have those things, but it's bad to trust those things for our salvation. Because here's, here's the deal. The more that you look at other ways and means of protecting and preserving yourself, the, further you're going, the, the more you're going to look away from God. The more dependent you're going to be upon yourself. And God wants us to be dependent upon Him. That's not the way of salvation. To look away from God for any length of time is not the means of salvation. Um, not for yourself, and not for your marriage, and not for the church, and not for the nation. Moving away from God is not the answer. Amen. I'm telling you, if your life is in trouble, moving, away, moving further away from God ain't the answer. If your marriage is in trouble, moving away from God ain't going to help you. If, you, if you're putting all, all of your... All of your confidence in something outside of God, you're moving away from Him and you're moving further and further and further into a curse. And a man who does not trust God trusts his own flesh or the flesh of others. The man who don't trust God is moving away from God. And the man who is moving away from God is the man who is cursed by God. Now Balaam was a bad prophet, but he said something true. He said, what God has blessed can't be cursed. And what God has cursed can't be blessed. He essentially told the king, even if I want to. Even if you pay me to. What I can do for you ain't, it's not possible for me to override and overrule what God has determined that he's going to do. And so he kind of made an end run around that by enticing the people to sin. Because when people... Turn to sin, they turn away from God, and they bring the curse upon themselves. 
So if a man is being cursed by God, he gave some illustrations there. He said a man that's being cursed by God is like a shrub in the desert. There ain't nothing there to sustain it. Nothing but the heat of the sun. Nothing but the drought. He's withering away, becoming fruitless and parched. Which just means this. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. Unless a man sees the error of not trusting in God, it's only going to get worse. And that's true of your life, that's true of your marriage, that's true of this nation. It could be true of a church. And then he said in the next two verses, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river. And shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought. That means anxious, afraid, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So the, the, this, whole, this whole thing is a contrast between the two groups of people that live in the world, the two types of men who live in the world, those that trust God and those that don't. And the second part of this is, this is the man who does trust God. This is a man who's not, who's not leaning on, onto his own understanding, who's not trusting his own abilities or his skills or his, his ability to, 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 to work his way to prosperity. This is a man who's just trusting in God. He is leaning into the everlasting arms because he knows that in and of himself he won't ever have enough strength, he won't ever have enough wisdom, he won't ever have enough skill, he'll never have enough without God on his side. He'll never have enough without being on God's side. He'll never have enough without trusting in God. Even, even when every other means fail. And, and listen, this is important to me. Because our, our, our politics are failing right now. Even if our politics fail, even if our military fails, even if all the preparations that we've made fail, even if everything that we know to do has been done, and, and it still collapses around us, we can still lean into the everlasting arms. And this book is proof of it. Everything failed. Everything failed. Everything that Jeremiah said would happen came true. But you know the heroes of our story are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Ezra. We've been reading about that this week. Why? Because even in the middle of that, that complete implosion of a nation, implosion of a religion, implosion of a culture that got just swept away under the curse of God. There were some men among them who said, we're going to trust God in spite of what it looks like. We see Daniel and his three friends as teenagers taking their first stand. We're not going to eat that. We're not going to defile ourselves with the king's meat. God's not giving us permission to eat that. And we're just going to stand. What did God do with them? He promoted them. That's the blessing of God. They leaned into the everlasting arms. And there weren't any other arms for them to lean into. There wasn't, there wasn't anything they could do in their own strength. There wasn't anything they could do in their own wisdom. There wasn't anything they, they didn't have any resources. It had all been taken away from them. The Babylonians owned them and everything that they had. 
what did they do? They just leaned into God. And so here's what I want you to understand this morning. What does it mean to lean into those everlasting arms? It means when every other means fails, that you never cease to trust in the presence of God in your life, in the plan of God in your life, in the purpose of God in your life, in the promises of God in your life, and in the power of God to turn everything around in His time. Because He can, and He will, and He has. A man who trusts God just leans into him. Even when everything else is failing, he leans into him. He's moving in towards God. And when he does that, he finds his hope. He finds his guidance. He finds his comfort. He finds his strength. And I, I, listen, we do that in our lives. In fact, sometimes, it, it, sometimes this happens when everything else is falling apart. Sometimes this is the way God pulls us back to himself. Sometimes this is the way that he arrests our attention and brings us back into a growing relationship with him. He lets everything else just fall apart because we put our trust in the wrong things. And so he takes away everything that we trust. And it may be that he takes away your health. It may be that he takes away your wealth. It may be that he takes away your job. It may be that he takes away something that you've been leaning on instead of leaning into him. And God takes it away because sometimes the only way that he can get us to look back to him is to take away from those things. Take away those things that we're trusting in. But a man who begins to lean into those everlasting arms and find what he needs there is is always moving in. He's moving closer. He's growing in the grace and knowledge of God. He's finding his hope there. He's finding his guidance there. He's finding his comfort there. He's finding his strength in him. Jeremiah gave gave this illustration. He said, a man that don't trust God is like a, a, a shrub in the desert. Parched, dry, alone, an, un, an uninhabited place. But then he contrasts that by, with a man who trusts God. You read Psalm chapter 1, it reads almost the same exact way. A man that trusts God, he said, is like a tree that's, that's, that's been planted by a river that puts down roots deep and puts down roots wide and bears Fruit always. Now you read Psalm 1 and it tells you that that, 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 that man is not taking guidance and, and counsel from ungodly and wicked men, but he delights himself in the law of God and in it he doth meditate day and night. What's he doing? He's moving into God. And when that man does that and begins to grow in the grace and knowledge of God, he begins to put his roots down deeper and wider so that whatever you bring to him is not going to affect his faith because he's trusting, he's leaning in, he's moving in to that wellspring of living water. He's being blessed by God. He's not afraid of the heat. He's not afraid of the drought. He's not anxious about any of that. He's just growing. He's just putting down roots. He's just yielding the fruit of faith. Now, you all, we all know men like that. We, we've all seen men like that. Maybe I hope and pray that somebody can say about my life that they've seen me walk through hell with my shoulders back and my chin up, trusting, leaning, on the everlasting arms. With peace and joy in my heart. 
So I'm going to ask you again. What manner of man are you? A man who does not trust God? Or a man who trusts God? A man who is full of God is a man who trusts God fully. You hear me? A man who is full of God is a man who trusts God fully. Even in the middle of a culture full of unbelief and wickedness, he is a man that won't give up on God. Now I read this and I'm going to share it with you. This is what that man looks like. A man that is full of God, a man who is trusting in God fully, is a man who will step up. He's a, he's a man who will lead. He is a man who will initiate. He, he is a man that will not give in to spiritual apathy and indifference. He is a man that you can count on to always step up. When other people are stepping away, he's going to step up. When other people are shrinking back, he's going to step up. I, can I tell you we need some men in our culture today that's going to step up? My kids have helped me. My daughter has helped me. Um, Sarah sent me a, a Father's Day text early this morning. And I'm telling you, this means something to me. She said, Daddy... I know that you get criticized. I know that, that there are people in our community that hate you and say, un, uh, say awful things about you, but I want you to know that I appreciate having a daddy that has stepped up, that has stood up, that is taking a stand for what's right. Men, I'm telling you, if you're going to trust God, you just got to step up. What did, what did Daniel do? What did his three friends do? What did the heroes of the God's word do when times got hard? They stepped up. They led the way. They initiated. They, they didn't shrink back. They didn't wait for somebody else. They stepped up into the battle with their faith in God. Amen. I don't have time to go back and tell you the whole story. Second Samuel chapter 10. Some, some pagan people humiliated some of David's people. Shaved off their beard and cut off their back of their robe. <clears throat> that may not seem like much to us, but David said they have shamed. They have put our people to shame. And in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12, he told his men that were around him, he said, be of good courage. Let's play the men for our people. Now, he wasn't talking about pretending to be men. He said, let's be the man. Let's be the man for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth good. And he went after them, set things straight. He stepped up. What manner of man are you? A man full of God and a man who trusts God fully is a man that will step up. He is a man that will speak out. He's not going to be quiet when something's wrong. He's not going to be quiet about injustice. He's not going to be quiet about sin. He's, 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 he's going to fear God more than he fears men. You know what John the Baptist did to Herod? And Jesus said about John the Baptist, there's not been a better man born among women than John the Baptist. You know what John the Baptist did to Herod? He said, you're living in sin. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You're living in sin. 
Now, Herod was afraid of John. Herod's wife wasn't afraid of John. She hated John for what he said. She eventually had his head taken from his shoulders. Herod hated to do it, but he was scared of his wife. That ain't a real man. And Herod wasn't, can I tell you, Herod wasn't a real man. And trust me, women, you don't want a man like that. That's Ahab. Jezebel led him around by his nose, even when he knew what he was doing was wrong. A man who fully trusts God will step up and he'll speak out. When he sees wrong, he'll call it wrong. He'll speak the truth in love. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1, Isaiah prophesying about the same time to the, to the nation of Israel that Jeremiah was to the nation of Judah. The same kind of scenario was going on in both nations. And this is what God said through, Jeremiah, or through Isaiah. He said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression. Hey, I think he's calling men to do that today. You Call it what it is. That ain't your judgment. That's God's judgment. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Make you stand on the word of God. Don't let people shut you up by saying everybody sins. We have, we have let them silence us. But a man who trusts God fully is a man who is full of God. And he won't stand. He won't back away. He'll step up. He won't be silent. He'll speak. He'll stand strong. He, he won't bend. He won't bow. He won't run. Even when adversity and opposition comes. L listen to what God said about Jeremiah as he, when he called him to be a prophet. In, in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 18. And by the way, Jeremiah was, he was afraid of what God was calling him to do. He didn't, wasn't sure he was the right man for the job. And, and God reassured him that I've known you from your mother's womb. I've known you. And I've called you to do what I'm sending you to do. And in verse 18, he said, I have made you today a defensed city, an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land. And then he listed them against the kings of Judah, against the princes of Judah, against the priests of Judah, against the people of the land of Judah, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. That's a man who trusts God. A man who was full of God. Who stepped up. Who spoke out. And who stood strong. Got thrown in a dungeon. Got threatened over and over and over. And listen to me, when they overthrew the city... Jeremiah was in a safe place. In fact, God said this to him. He told him, he said, go buy this piece of dirt. Go buy this land. Because when I destroy the rest of the nation, you're still going to have a place here. I got you. You just keep standing. And, and I'm going to tell you, if at this point in time in our culture, I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again this morning. At this point in time in our culture, if you're not feeling some adversity and opposition, it's probably because you ain't standing. It's probably because you ain't speaking. It's probably because you ain't stepping up. Now, I hate it if it hurts your feelings, 
But this ain't a day to be quiet. This ain't a day to sit on the sideline and cheer somebody else on. If God has called us to be the men, the leaders in the home, the leaders in the church, the leaders of this nation, this culture, it's time for us to trust God and stand up. A man who trusts God is going to stay humble. Guarding his heart against pride, guarding his heart against hypocrisy, guarding his heart against becoming self-reliant. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, Peter reminded us that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, and so he encouraged us. You read this in context. He's about to warn us about the devil who is a roaring lion who's seeking everybody he can devour, but he says ahead of that, be humble because God's going to stand against the proud but he's going to give grace to the humble so he says humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he careth for you and then the last thing is that he's going to serve the king we only have one king we're going to serve the king we're going to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ in every aspect of our life. We're going to seek His will for our lives always. Because the world takes note of that when we do it. Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all those other things will be added unto you. I was thinking about that this morning in, in Acts chapter 4. Um, Peter and John and them were, man, they were preaching powerfully, and God was doing using them to do some amazing things, but... Um, Acts chapter 4 verse 13 said these men are ignorant and unlearned they didn't go to school for this I mean they're fishermen they're common men they're not scribes and Pharisees they're not publicans they're not upper class they don't have wealth and schooling and pedigree how are they doing this and then the Bible says this that they took note of them that they had been with Jesus they had been with Jesus. And I want to tell you something. People, men who have been with Jesus may be common men, but God will use them to do uncommon things. One more time. What manner of man are you? What manner of man are you? Let me give you a real quick bullet list. I know this hurts some, and I've said this sometimes, and people have been offended by it. But I'm going to tell you, it's the gospel truth. You cannot be a good man without being a godly man. And I know we throw that term around sometimes. And, and I've said this sometimes and hurt some people's feelings. If your daddy wasn't a godly daddy, he wasn't a good daddy. Now you can say, wait a minute, he protected me, he provided for me, he did. Yeah, but if he didn't point you to Jesus... If he didn't show you how to love and serve the king, he wasn't really a good daddy. In fact, I don't, sometimes I think having a good daddy who's not a godly daddy is, is worse than having a bad daddy because they don't, they're, they're, they're showing you that you can have, they're, they're, they're painting a false picture for you that you, can, you can have, that you can be good without God in your life. And you can't be. We can't be. I know who I am without Jesus. And it's ugly. 
You might think that you're different than that, but the Bible says that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So you can't be a good man without also being a godly man. And you can't do what God's called you to do without the strength and the wisdom that God gives you to do it. You just can't. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You've got to be attached to the vine to bear fruit. And so good, good men are godly men, and godly men trust God, and men who trust God are strong men. I'm going to tell you something. It's, in this culture that we live in, this, this, going, this breakneck speed, snowball headed for hell away from God, it's a whole lot harder to stand up for God than it is to just go with the flow. Men who trust God are strong men. And God uses strong men to change the world. He does. He uses men that won't bend, that won't bow, that won't break. Who trust Him to change the world. And I, can, can you agree with me that if, if there's ever been a time that the world needs good, godly, strong men, it is now. So I... Whatever man that you've been up to this point, I'll go back to the beginning. All that can change today. Only two groups of men in this place this morning. I promise you that's just the gospel truth according to the word of God. There's saved and there's lost. There's men who trust God and men who don't. There's men who are walking by faith and men who are walking in their flesh. Which kind of man are you going to be? What manner of man are you? Let's stand together. Lord, thank you for your word. Even when it cuts like a sword, coming and going, laying our hearts bare, thank you for it. Lord, we got a job to do as men. There's so much coming after our kids right now. The enemy has unleashed every demon that he can rally and gather together and, and the attack is, is on our kids. It is. It just is. I believe the enemy knows the enemy the enemy knows the book of judges better than we know the book of judges and what the book of judges says is that there arose a generation who knew not God. That wasn't a failure on that generation's part. That was a failure on the men that raised them. And once one ugly cycle to the next, we see a nation a people drifting and every time they cried, you raised up a man to deliver them. And so, Lord, help us. I don't know if there's any hope. I honestly don't know if there's any hope for our country. I don't know that we may have gone too far. But I know this. You'll always have a remnant. You'll always have a people. Your kingdom's never going to end. We just need to know that we're a part of it. I pray for every man in here. It ain't easy. 
to be a representative of the Heavenly Father in this world that we live in. It ain't easy. Be the kind of daddies you've called us to be, but you've equipped us for it if we trust you. And so I just pray right now that every man in this building would ask himself that one question. What manner of man am I? Am I really a man who trusts God? Or am I a man who's trusting something else? I pray today be a day of change for some men in this place. A, a new chapter, a new book even. By your word and by your spirit, I pray that you'd speak now. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't!